Welcome to Living Word Bible Church, a lovely place for families where we have a passion to sing great songs to Jesus and where sound Bible teaching is central in home groups and in preaching at Sunday services. Living Word Bible Church, teaching the Bible verse by verse. Good morning, Living Word Bible Church, and to anybody else. Uh, who may be listening this Sunday morning. Um, we're doing a recorded sermon as opposed to our live streaming that we've been doing only because we need to stay at home uh, this weekend. And so I'm going to do the Bible reading now and then go straight into Philippians 3. Uh, we're just beginning chapter 3, having concluded chapter 2 last week. So chapter 3, I'll read just the first 11 verses. Finally, brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is as a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship God by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow to attain the resurrection of the dead. That's what we're looking at together uh, this morning. Philippians 3. We're not going to cover all of that. We'll do so hopefully over the next two or three weeks. Today we're just going to be covering 1, 2, 3. And there's a lot going on there. I'll try and be brief and try and cut to the chase whenever I can. So let's begin. Steak and chips. I don't know what you think of that, but steak and chips uh, for me is one of my favorite meals or used to be at least uh, I gotta watch my health these days steak and chips followed by apple crumble uh, with custard or cream in particular a real English uh, dessert there and I say that and not because I'm hungry mind you it's <laughs> I am feeling that now I say that because it's really what we're doing today uh, in the passage that we have we have steak and chips and apple crumble with cream in that we have something really meaty 
and then something really sweet and a blessing and we're gonna have steak and chips and apple crumble and cream but hey because you've been so good okay you get to have sweet first so because you've been so good okay it sounds like father christmas here doesn't it you get to have the sweet first so we're going to start with the apple crumble and cream and then go on to the steak the meat the the, the really meaty stuff in verses in verse two and particularly verse three hopefully i'm gonna i'll get through all of this in this message this morning let's see how we go our heading is this for the apple crumble and cream our heading is this in any and every circumstance rejoice in jesus and his gospel of grace you haven't got the graphics so i'll just repeat myself there in any and every circumstance rejoice in jesus and his gospel of grace here's the verse one begins finally my brothers rejoice in the lord it's a strange place to be saying finally it sounds more like what a preacher does you know when they say finally and you're thinking i get to go home and there's another 15 20 minutes of the sermon well that's exactly what paul does you see that's where preachers get it from he's saying finally here and he hasn't finished his letter he's got the whole of chapter three and chapter four in fact he's only halfway through his letter but he's both summing up a particular part of his letter and introducing the next and he does this here with this with this phrase here finally my brothers reminding them of of the deep relationship that christians have that he has rejoice in the lord again it's peculiar because he's saying this and he's about to rebuke them if you like you know you know really he's going to be quite quite uh, challenging in what he's about to share but he begins with rejoice in the lord so what is that what does it mean to rejoice in the lord back in the uk um where one of our prime ministers was tony blair he had this particular grin it always used to be flashed around the media you know sometimes we can imagine you know to be joyful means that we're constantly wearing this this false uh, grin you know <laughs> i'm rejoicing in the lord is that what it is is it about feeling good about ourselves is it about counting our blessings one by one and of all those wonderful things that we have of being able to live in a safe country and enjoy um, access to vehicles and whatever else it may be is it what some of us do in church jump up and down dance and wave our hands or, or or clap what is what is does it mean to rejoice what is rejoicing here's 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 what a commentator suggests okay rejoicing because of what this rejoicing is in notice rejoice in the lord here's what a commentator says that the lord is the source and object and sphere of the joy so this rejoicing that paul is talking about is not just putting on a smile or feeling good about ourselves or just focusing on positive things it's rather it is about focusing but focusing on jesus 
Rejoice, says Paul, without a full stop. Rejoice, says Paul, in the Lord. And the Lord here, he be no doubt thinking of Jesus Christ. Christian joy is about Jesus Christ. It's about focusing on him. And it's these aspects. You see, Christian joy is anchored. If it's anchored on Jesus, it means more than just Jesus. We're not just sitting there and rejoicing in Jesus, Jesus, Jesus as an abstract reality. But rather, by that term Jesus or Lord, what Paul is suggesting is everything that incorporates, everything that it brings brings to us. So firstly, by virtue of Jesus is, to rejoice in Jesus means to rejoice in the fact that we're forgiven. Or in technical theology, in the efficacy of the cross. In Jesus' substitutionary atonement. Rejoice in the fact that we are forgiven of all our sins. Rejoice in the fact that in Jesus we are sons of the Most High God. As with him, we rejoice in the fact that heaven is our destiny. Our certain destiny. We rejoice in the fact, ultimately, that we're going to be with Jesus forever. And do you see? That's the reason for Christian rejoicing. It's rejoicing in the Lord, in Jesus, because of the cross, because we have peace with God, because of the hope of heaven, because of a hope of eternity in heaven. That's what Paul has in mind, to rejoice in the Lord is to rejoice in all that Jesus stands for and brings to us. And Paul says this. And just so we, can, we know for sure that Paul is not just merely talking about rejoicing in the fact that I've just bought a new car or, or I've just done really well at a particular sport or, or I've got a lot of things or a great job or a great house or I'm going on holiday next week. That's not Paul's point. He's rejoicing the Lord and, and, and his the context in which he says that. What is the context in which he says that? Where is he? Where is Paul when he, when he pens these words? He's in a Roman prison. Being watched over by the Praetorian Guard. So chained up. Okay. Unable to freely move around the churches. Okay. Unable to, 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 to step in and, and walk into a service. Un, unable to do anything personally about the disunity in this church. Unable personally to, to, to try and save this church from false doctrine that we're going to look at shortly. It's in that situation that Paul says, from his own imprisonment, Rejoice in the Lord. And he can only say that with a straight face if that's exactly what he is doing right now in prison. And thus saying to this, to this fledgling church, follow after me. In fact, in chapter 4, he not only says rejoice in the Lord, but he emphasizes rejoice in the Lord always, even if you're in prison. And I say it again, rejoice. And so Christian joy should never be flagging. It's not anchored. It's not to be anchored in our circumstances, positive or otherwise, because positive situations change. It's to be anchored in the 
constants, the stability of the sovereignty and will and purpose of God. Christian, you cannot undo the cross. You cannot undo your forgiveness. You cannot unsons yourself from being God's sons. You can't undo the hope, the certain hope of heaven that you have, and you can't un you can't change your certain reality that Jesus is forever your eternal companion. And so for that reason is to be constant always with a rejoice in the Lord. And here's what it does for you. Here's what rejoicing in the Lord does for you. It overshadows or covers, masks every circumstance in our lives. Hey, however doer, however dark, however desperate, however painful, however difficult, this truth of Jesus is a certain reason we can rejoice even if our circumstances are doer or dire. Look, just imagine for a situation, you've got a horrible, horrible job, horrible boss, okay, horrible uh, colleagues, and your job is just menial and you have no joy in it. Hey, just imagine you had a new job to go into, okay, starting in a month's time. Uh, how would your last few weeks go? When, when, when the boss shouts at you, when your colleagues are nasty to you, and when the work is tedious, what are you thinking? You're thinking, hey, hey, in just a couple of weeks, I'll be out of here. It'll be bye-bye. Hasta la vista, terminator phrase there, okay? And, 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 and therefore, it helps you face whatever the present circumstance. And that's what Paul wants the church to do that that's what he's doing is by rejoicing in the Lord reminding ourselves of these immovable tenants okay we can have joy by focusing on heaven to come we can have joy now rejoice in the Lord it's why Paul wrote just a chapter earlier for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain from prison because he had all the joy of Jesus as a thing that was on the forefront of his mind and vision. In any and every circumstance, rejoice in Christ and the gospel of grace. And it's that gospel of grace we just can look at a bit now. Just continuing on, on this first point. There's, a, there's more, and, and this really leads into what we're going to look at shortly about this false gospel that Paul is setting up against rejoicing. Rejoice in the Lord, and he continues. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard to you. Listen to this. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, who, those, who, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, who put no confidence in the flesh. We're going to look at those in detail in our second point shortly. But for now, can you see that this rejoicing in Christ is 
is set in contrast to 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 a, to a faith that is anchored in works in performance in in what we've accomplished in rituals and it's important to remember christian and it is one of the key aspects of rejoicing we rejoice in jesus because he gives us hope of heaven of forgiveness of sins of peace with god forever with him not because of performance but because of grace that is because of his willing choice just to give it to you out of the goodness of his heart here's what john 1 17 says the gospel for the law came through moses but grace and truth through jesus christ and jesus really sums this up in matthew or when 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 he's faced with these dear people who have been who have been tied down and curtailed and weighed down by religious regulation whether mosaic or pharisaical or a mixture of both but people who are burdened by the necessity to perform to be right with god to get all the i's dotted and all the t's crossed and here's what jesus says to them this weary people who cannot keep god's law who cannot keep one single commandment whether of the decalogue or of the expansion of them of a people who certainly cannot keep all the pharisaical amplifications of the lord this is what jesus says come to me all who are weary and heavy burden and i will give you rest from the burden of performance take my yoke upon you and learn from me in other words come in partnership with me for i am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light you see what jesus is saying look i don't want you to keep striving to perform to please me to be right with me to gain eternal benefits no i'm giving them to you they're yours take them and it's for that reason paul says rejoice in the lord don't be someone who's pursuing a, a life that pleases god because you fear otherwise he'll cut you off disown you be disinterested in you but rather rejoice because god accepts you just the way you are and thereafter will transform you thereafter will make you into jesus christ therefore rejoice in the lord in any and every circumstance rejoice in christ and the gospel of grace we're to rejoice secondly secondly okay having had secondly have, having had uh, the apple crumble and cream yummy here comes the meat the steak okay uh, the, the 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 morsels the chunky morsels secondly our second heading is this be on the alert for the evil perversions of jesus's gospel of grace you get that be on the alert 
for evil perversions of Jesus' gospel of grace. Verses 2 and 3. Here they are. It is not trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. So Paul has already alluded to, to much of what he's about to say, but he's going to re-emphasize it. Now flesh it out, as it were. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus and have put no confidence in the flesh. I said this is the stake. There's a lot there. And I'm going to be quick trying to unpack this. So I'll do my best. Bear with me. I'm going to break it up into three headings, subheadings for us. Okay. On point number two. Okay. The first one, an assurance. An assurance. Three part A. For it is we who are the circumcision. Who's the we there? Who is Paul talking about? Simply, who is he writing to? He's writing to this church in, in Gentile, I forgot the name of the place then, Gentile Philippi. And he's saying to this mainly Gentile church, okay, he's saying to them, for it is we who are the circumcision. And, and, and he's putting himself with that group. So here's what Paul is saying. Can you see it's a lowly statement? Okay. For Paul, the circumcision group, this, rather, for Paul, those who are truly circumcised, accepted by God, are not those necessarily who are circumcised in the flesh, what he refers to as a mutilation of the flesh, but those, and we look at the text a bit later in Romans, who are circumcised in heart. They are the truly circumcised. So Paul's point is this, and look, this is somewhat contentious, but Paul is saying the truly circumcised person, in effect, the true Israel of God, circumcision was the demarcation line of the Israel of God, the true Israel of God, and not those who mutilate the flesh, for those who rejoice in Christ Jesus, those who belong to Christ Jesus, those who believe in Christ Jesus, those who put their hope in Christ Jesus. Here's what a commentator says. We are the only Israel, those who put faith in Christ. We are the only true Israel, the sons of God, the children of the covenant, the chosen inheritors of the promise. That's Alec Motia, the commentator. We are the only Israel, the sons of Abraham, the children of covenant, the chosen inheritors of the promise. The true Israel, friends, the true Israel, the true son of God. Israel was called God's son. The true Israel of God is not an ethnic people who live in a small plot of land in the Middle East. It's not the natural descendants of Abraham. No, true Israel is not a physical thing. True Israel is a spiritual reality. It's the people of God who have faith in Jesus. That's Paul's point. It's we who believe in Jesus, who exercise faith in Jesus, 
who are covered by the blood of Jesus, who are forgiven by Jesus' blood, who are hoping of an eternity in Jesus' heaven with Jesus. We are the circumcision, says Paul. We're the one that God looks at as the true sons of Abraham. We are the one that God owns as the Israel of God. Now, can you see what that's saying? It's saying those, the people referred to as Israel, who are physically circumcised, the nation of Israel, are only Israel in a typological sense. We've been looking at typology here in the church recently, a prototype, if you like. Because ultimately, the real Israel are those who are spiritually circumcised and it's an international community made up of believing ethnic Jews and believing Gentiles. You see that? Here's Romans 2. Paul explains it there. Romans 2. Okay. No, a man is a Jew if he is one inwardly. And circumcision is circumcision of the heart. Paul's point is physical circumcision belonging to Israel, a descendant of Abraham, only makes you a type of God's people, a type of real Israel. The ultimate real Israel is one who is circumcised of heart and circumcision of the heart comes by faith in Jesus Christ. Being committed to Jesus Christ, believing in Jesus as Messiah. It's what Paul later writes in Ephesians in Ephesians, Ephesians 3, 6, this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body. God has only got one people. There is only one true Israel of God. There's only one church. We don't have a Jewish church and a Gentile church. We don't have a, an Israel of God and a non-Israel of God who belong to God. Rather, we have one true Israel of God the spiritual Israel of God. There's one true church of God or church of Christ. It is his body of people, whether ethnically Jewish or ethnically Gentile, Gentile, whatever our background, but by faith in Jesus Christ, trust in him, we are made together with Jewish people of faith in Christ, we're made together with them into one body called the church. Jesus has only one body, it's the church, or in Old Testament language, is the Israel of God. And so Romans 11, this is how we read Romans 11, I'll read it for you. And if they I'll try and put this text on the screen, just this one, because it's a really important text. And if they, okay, I'm going to emphasize my own words to explain this verse. If they, if they, the Jews, do not persist in unbelief, but come to faith in Christ, that's what Paul means, they will be grafted in to Christ the tree. Christ is the tree. For God is able to graft them in. Israel is never the tree, they are the branches. Christ is the tree. Okay, verse 24. After all, if you Gentiles were cut out of an olive tree that is wild by nature and contrary to nature were grafted into a cultiv cultivated olive tree, Christ, 
how much more readily will these, the Jews, the, nat the, the, the natural branches, not the tree, the branches, the Jews are the branches, not the tree, okay? How much more will the, will the natural branches, original Israel, be grafted into their own olive tree, which is Christ, although they would not have known that, but it is Christ. And the point is this, friends, simply this. That those Jews from all the ethnic Jews that have ever lived and are living, it's only those Jews that believe in Christ as Messiah and God and put faith in him in his substitutionary atoning death. Only they are true Israel. And they, along with all Gentiles who also believe the same, make up one body of people the church of the living God, the true Israel. And so Paul says, for it is we, that group that believes in Jesus, not the ones who mutilate the flesh, but that group that believes in Jesus, who are the, circum who are the circumcision, the church of the living God. Hey friends, Paul's point is this, it really doesn't matter what your ethnicity is, your ethnic background, your national background, your place of birth, the nation you belong to, the country that you were born into. The only thing that matters is faith in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what religious work you've done, whether you've been circumcised or not, or whether you've done a, a pilgrimage to some place or not, or how many prayers and specific prayers you've said or even how many times you've attended church or how many times you've done communion or whether or not you've even been baptized all that matters is faith in christ they are the circumcision so the true israel of god is those who are circumcised of heart that's the assurance of faith that we have you don't need to, to, to perform, to do religious rites, to even mutilate parts of your body, or even to harm yourself. But you need to have faith in Jesus. And that gives you the assurance, your faith in Jesus, of peace with God, of being the circumcision, of being the Israel of God. That's the first one. Second one is B. A definition, a definition. So we've had an assurance. Now a definition of a faith looks like 3B. For we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. That's the true people of Israel of God, because Paul now expanding what he's already said in 3A, in 3B. Let's look at them just in three little chunks. For we who worship by the Spirit are the truly circumcised, the true people of God. That is just simple. Is that faith in Jesus Christ can only occur when you've first been born again. And born again simply means that the Spirit of Jesus has, has engaged with your soul, has come into your life. You've been born again. You've, been, uh, you've got peace with God. The Spirit of God does that. He comes into you. And He enables you to worship God. And the quintessential act of worship. I know we, we describe worship in so many ways, and they're all right, I'm pretty sure, most of them at least. Okay, in a secondary sense, uh, the, the primary 
means avenue of worship is to sacrifice to God. Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. How do we worship God? By sacrifice. That's how we worship God. There's nothing is changed in one sense between old and new. We still worship by sacrifice, but we no longer worship by lambs and goats and bulls and by traveling to Israel and having them sacrifice at the temple, which you cannot do any longer. We worship by giving our lives as living sacrifices. And what the Spirit does, says Paul 3a, we worship by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit enables you to worship God, to connect with God, to get through to God, to have a one-to-one -one with God, to please God. Here's what another commentator's commentator says, who by the inward presence of the consecrating and transforming Spirit, us who, by the inward presence of the presence of the consecrating and transforming Spirit, Offer the sacrifice, not of dead victims, animals, but a devoted and renewed life to Jesus. And the Spirit enables us to do that. Moreover, the Spirit, it says, but we worship by the Spirit of God who glory in Christ Jesus. Paul's point here is that is those who are circumcised in the flesh tend to, and this is the issue with all performance-based religions, because we tend to do what? We tend to boast in our performance and the circumcision tend to boast in their circumcision. But we, says Jesus, glory in Christ. We glory in what he's done. Our circumcision has of, is of no value to us spiritually if we have been circumcised. But Jesus' death is of value to us. And that's why we glory in him. Who glory in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying, look, stop putting a badge of circumcision as a thing. Look, I've been circumcised. Stop that. Who cares? Rather, your badge and insignia is this. Is, I believe in the cross of Jesus, I believe in Jesus with glory in Christ. And next, who put no confidence in the flesh. More of this boasting, you know, hey, to say that my relationship with God is defined by my circumcision or whatever performance it may be, is to lose the heart of the gospel that was in kernel form in the Old Testament. The thing about the gospel of Jesus Christ that is, is revealed in the New Testament is not new. Abraham had entered into that gospel by faith. It's something old that's in kernel form in the old, but that is brought to the service in the new. And in the old there, we're told, here's what God wants. You cannot keep the commandments, but here's what God wants. He has showed you, a man, what is good, what he wants. And what does the Lord require of you? Listen to this. To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Hey, it's not a religious system of 
rituals and regulations or law that God ultimately requires of you is this humility, this breaking of the heart, this understanding of our utter inability to please God in and of ourselves and is to cast ourselves upon God's mercy to humbly walk with him to walk with God that's the definition and the last thing very very quickly I've got a couple of minutes and I need to finish and I apologize for the length there's a warning watch out for those dogs those men who do evil those mutilators of the flesh Paul refers to them as dogs it's an awful thing to say and his anger, notice the anger. He can't even refer to circumcision as circumcision because he now realises the utter bankruptcy of it and rather he just refers to it as a mutilation of the flesh. Here's what Hendrickson writes. They draw the attention away from Christ in boasting about circumcision and on his accomplished redemption and fix it upon an outward ritual and upon human worth and attainment. The reason why an ethnic Jew or a Gentile will never find peace with God, the forgiveness of sins and the hope of heaven and an eternity with Jesus is because he cannot be found in religion. He cannot be found in circumcision. He cannot be found in being an ethnic Jew. He cannot be found in pursuing religion. He cannot be found in pursuing self-righteousness. It can only be found in Jesus and that by faith. Listen to the most famous verse in all of the Bible. It's the simplest and most famous verse. There's complexity to it as well. But in one level it's simple. It tells us all you need to know to have peace with God. And assurance of sins forgiven. And the hope of heaven with Jesus. John 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. There is not an iota in that verse about circumcision, ethnic identity, the pursuit of of doing the things that we believe please God. Or even the Decalogue. Jesus mentions nothing about the commandments here. But it says only, only, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And that is the gospel. And that's what Paul wants to preserve. And he's going to argue more of this, we're going to see in the next couple of weeks. Paul is so done with his ethnic identity as a Jew. Paul so washes his hands with it. We'll see in the next couple of weeks that he, that he refers to and regards all of his Jewish attainment. His circumcision, his, his excelling in the law, his identity as a Pharisee of Pharisee. The fact that he belongs to the tribe of Benjamin. He counts all of that as Here's the, the King James Version, dung, rubbish, of nil value. Because his faith in Christ 
that makes you circumcised and belong to God and gives you peace with God and hope of heaven. And so he warns them to have no confidence in performance. And the challenge to us, friends, is that in our walk with God, we put no confidence in our performance, but only in Jesus. And we rejoice in that. We rejoice in Jesus. And regardless of how dark our present circumstance, our present providence is, whatever we're facing, we count a fact, the fact that Jesus is our Lord and we believe in him. And in that, we rejoice. In any and every circumstance, rejoice in Jesus and the gospel of grace. Be on the alert for evil perversions of the gospel of grace. And I'm going to end right now. The Lord bless you, be with you, go with you. Join us again next week, hopefully live. Amen.